Well, it's good to be back with you guys all um, this Sunday. It's been a while since I've actually been here, um, just for different reasons. This COVID was one week, and then different things, but it's been a wild July. So, uh, but glad to, to be here in August. So, so let's get into the message. So I kind of want to set the scene for you a little bit. So the disciples are in a room. And it was at a time where they were ready. They were ready for this moment to finally happen. For the last three years, they have been walking with Jesus. They have seen miracle after miracle, teaching after teaching. They have been there. They have been in it with Jesus. All the while, they have been holding on to the prophecy about the Messiah and how he is going to restore everything. This is their moment. This is what they have been waiting for. They have finally entered into Jerusalem. They are in this room. They are going to celebrate the Passover. And the atmosphere was nothing but joy celebration. It's, it's almost, for those of you who play sports and you guys have been in the locker room, it's that moment before you take the field. It's knowing that you're invincible and that nothing is going to happen. They were ready and they're sharing a meal together. And you have Jesus reclining at the table watching his disciples, watching these, these young men that he has poured so much into, watching that celebration. Now, see, we live in this tension, or at least I do, about Jesus being all God and all man. It's easy for me just to accept and be like, yeah, that's just how it is. But, but what does that look like? What does all God and all man look like? Experiencing everything that the creator of the universe in his hand. He has the universe in his hand, but yet experiencing everything that I can. Every emotion, every feeling. And so I like to look in this moment. What was Jesus feeling? What was he going through as he sat with his disciples? And I want to say that there might have been some nervousness. And I know we don't like to think of of Jesus as maybe having that, but he was all man, along with being all God. And his time was coming at an end. And as he is sitting there with his disciples, and he almost has this, probably had the same feeling of what I had as a youth pastor and what I have now as a father. Am I going, did I teach them enough? Was it, do they have everything they need? Do, are they going to continue? It's a worry. And as he's sitting there, probably giving smiles as they look at him, and the book of Luke describes what happens next. In the midst of the joy, an argument breaks out between them about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus probably had one of those smiles that looked like this. Are you really? 
who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? As he sits there pondering, what's, what's going to happen? He looks in the corner and he sees a bowl and a towel just sitting there, undisturbed. And he takes that moment to get up from the chair and walk towards that bowl. And what we get next is a masterclass in servanthood on how to be a servant, on how to put others before you. You see, we can have all the teachings, we can get examples, we can get experience, but if things don't click in us, if, if we don't have that personal, like, aha moment, it's, nothing's going to happen. There's not going to be no change that goes forth. This was the disciples' moment. I'm going to pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your words. Uh, Father, uh, just speak through me. Let it be your words and not mine. God, let us understand what it is the art of serving others, God. So, Father, thank you. In your name, amen. amen. So I did a deep dive on servanthood this week. By deep dive, I mean I just looked up Webster's definition. <laughs> and I looked up three things. Service, the action of helping or doing work for someone. Servanthood, the condition of being a servant. Servant, a person who performs duties for others. The three main ingredients are the action, the condition, and a person. Those three things. And I got to see that as an example a couple weeks ago. We talked about, we had all those kids come up about the missions trip, and I got to see this firsthand on what this was. So as Pastor Mandy said, we went on this missions trip. It was a pig farm. You notice she still has her shirt. I don't, and I'll tell you the reason why later. But it was a pig farm. It was a trip that we took the kids on. What they had to do, they had to rake snake-infested leaves, uh, gardening. Uh, they fed pigs. They moved pigs um, and uh, made pig pens as well as some other stuff. But that's what they did. They got to do that. They had the, the, the action, the condition, and the person that they were serving. They had all that. But they were way out of their element, as really was I. Um, way out of their element on what was asked of them to do, on what was expected for them to do. Um, but they got it, and they pulled it off. And they did it, I feel, they did it the way Jesus would have done it. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John 13. one. Wow, I like this. I hear a lot of Bible pages turning. Right? <laughs> That's good stuff. That is good stuff. I mean, I'm not... If you have a phone, that's great. I'm not saying you shouldn't use the phone, but there's something about the, the pages turning I love. All right. That's great stuff. All right. So John 
chapter 13, all the gospels talk about the, the final night with Jesus, the, the dinner, the Passover dinner, the feast. Um, but John is the only one that captures this moment. And so, and I think there's a reason why. So uh, here we go. 13, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go on to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus spent most of all his ministry telling people over and over, my time is yet not, my time hasn't come. It's not time. It's not time. Stop talking about it. Be quiet. It's not time. Now it's time. And he finally says it. It's the time, the hour has finally come. Everything Jesus has been preparing for and waiting for is now coming to the forefront and I love this, and I don't want to say it's like a throwaway line, but it's not necessarily what I'm talking about. But man, this scripture right here at the end of one, it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And see, only John, I feel like John is just sitting there. And again, we, they're having this argument, they're talking, and, and John is not watching them, he is watching Jesus react to this. And Jesus is at the end, and he knows what's going to happen, and he has this face. He has this feeling because he knows he's going to leave them. And it, it dawned on me this week that, wow, that we, we can experience a lot that the disciples experienced. We really can. With the help of the Holy Spirit, there's a lot we can do. But the one thing that we will never experience, even this side of heaven, is like losing Jesus. The disciples had to do that for three days. They lost him. And like what that must have felt for them. And Jesus knew that they were going to experience that. I'm going to read this again. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. If you have your Bibles, that's the thing to underline, to circle, to remember, because that's us too loving us to the very end, his muchness, everything about him, he loves us. And Judas has already made his deal. He's in this room with them, with the money in his pocket. It has already been decided. Judas has decided to betray Jesus. All right, let's continue. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to, to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Again, John paints this perfect picture. It's step by step. He sees Jesus stand up. He sees Jesus walk over, take off his robes, tie the towel around his waist, pour the water, and then wash the disciples' feet. He was watching him. He was paying attention to every single detail that Jesus was doing because he knew this was going to be significant. So what is feet washing? I, it's, it's weird, right? 
Again, it's weird. Like, if you just take this and read this for the first time, like, what the? That's kind of a weird thing to do. The truth is, it's very practical. I know a lot of you know this. In the first century, people wore sandals or nothing at all. So either they were barefoot or they had sandals, and they would walk the dirty, dusty streets of the first century. Horses, pigs, any, well, not necessarily pigs, but goats. <laughs> well, maybe there's pigs in certain areas. But um, their stuff was all over the ground. It wasn't like today where you got to carry a little plastic baggie with you when you walk your pet. <laughs> right? It's there. Right? Even if, even if you don't step in it, you're still getting the spray. You know what I mean? You're still getting the spray on your feet. They're dirty. They're disgusting. It's nasty. All right? And so as a custom, when you go into somebody's house, instead of like today, we take off our, you know, some houses, they say, take off your shoes, please. Same thing. Wash your feet, please, before you walk in my house. All right? Now, if you were really well done, you would have a servant that would do that for you. And that servant would wash the feet of the guest as they would come in. It was a very practical thing. It made sense. And you do that before dinner because that's another thing. I know like our famous art, like that picture has, you know, they're eating at a table. The first century, actually people reclined at a smaller table and that's how they ate. I mean, I'm not saying that's 100% that's what happened, but that was the typical way you would eat in the first century at that time. And so when you're laying down, your feet might be in somebody else's face as you ate. It is a possibility, right? So you come to my house, you come for dinner, wash your feet, right? That's just what you did. As a practical, it wasn't symbolic, it wasn't spiritual, it was a very practical thing that you would do at somebody's house. It'd be like today, someone doing your laundry or doing your dishes, right? Practical, everyday, normal thing. It was the job that no one wanted to do but needed to be done. It was, again, it was, usually it was a custom before dinner, or it is a custom before dinner, but if you catch it, John describes it as that Jesus got up during the meal. The meal was already in progress. Why is Jesus washing their feet now? Well, they were all too worried about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. You think they were actually really going to be that one person that does the washing of the feet? It was probably one of those things where they all walked in and they saw that and said, yeah, someone should really start washing feet. <laughs> not going to be me. It's going to be you. You're not going to do it. But well, they weren't, no one wanted to do it. They were too worried about who is greatest in the kingdom. It's funny, here at Granite Creek, if you guys come during the week, there's, to put this in perspective, if you come during the week, our doors are locked, but we have a doorbell. Now, that doorbell is only heard in the offices. So someone could actually be working in here or in, the, in these rooms and not hear the doorbell, so they wouldn't even know you're at the door. Now, when it's rung upstairs, most of the time, we all kind of look at each other. <laughs> all right, who's going to go down this time? We take turns naturally sometimes, but it's, it's a long way. And 80% of the time, 
you're, people are already walking away by the time we get down the stairs. So if you are coming to the church for whatever, and just give us a moment as we figure out who's going to come downstairs. And then the long walk down the stairs to finally open the door. All right, so just give us a beat. <laughs> a lot of times I just pick up the phone right away and be like, I'm on the phone. <laughs> then, now we know. Yeah. So that's why Jesus got up in the middle and he saw it. Not that he was disappointed that it didn't happen. He was more disappointed that they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And he saw one of the greatest service examples that he can give his guys because they were instantly going to get it. None of them wanted that job, but they all knew who shouldn't be doing it. And that was Jesus. So... All right. So he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not, um, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part in me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet with their whole body. He's speaking more spiritually right now. He's saying, Peter, you're good, but you just need to take care of business every once in a while. You don't need a bath. You just need to get rid of the dirt that's on you. And again, I like how he was just like, you would never, never wash my feet, Jesus. Just like, Jesus, never. You would never do my laundry, ever. But if he insisted, well, then do everyone's laundry. Whatever you say, Lord. Peter was being that ultra-spiritual person. Um, continuing on, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash one another's feet. I have sat, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I'm always intrigued when Jesus would teach his disciples something, be it a story, a saying, or whatever, and then he'd just leave it. And he'd be like, well, what does that mean? Uh, he wouldn't, like, do a follow-up. Not this time. I love it. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? He's telling them you cannot miss this. You need to know what just happened. It's not that I'm creating a once-a-year ceremony for feet washing. Know that I took upon being a servant. He wasn't asking them, okay, now wash my feet. No. Wash one another's. Serve each other. 
It was the last thing. And, and he was saying, I am your authority. I'm your teacher. I'm your Lord. And I have done this to you. And I have showed you what to do. See, we would all gladly wash the feet of Jesus, right? All of us. But he wants us to wash others. We would all serve Jesus gladly. He says, you serve me, you serve others. That's what it is. This was one of Jesus' last teachings to his disciples before he was arrested. He then goes on to, to, to comfort them because, again, he knows he's leaving. He knows they're going to be put through some trauma and see some things and, and, and maybe some of them be disappointed that, that it wasn't going to be what they expected. He knows they're going to be experiencing all that. And so he goes to comfort them. He talks about the Holy Spirit, that you're going to get the Holy Spirit and he's going to comfort you. And he's going to be with you. And he was telling them what they needed to know, but now he was giving them what they needed. Serve each other. So how do we serve like Jesus? How do we take that story, this example, this physical example of what he did for these 12 men? And again, 12 men, one of them was his enemy. One of them was the one that was going to betray him. Money was in his pocket. He washed that foot anyways. He treated him equal. How do we serve like that? On the mission trip, I had to remember this because about five minutes being on the farm, I realized I made a huge mistake. <laughs> Might have been four. What did we get ourselves into? So how this trip works, this, this organization, we stay, we go to San Diego, we stay at this host church. So the church isn't doing this, this organization is, the church is just a place for us to be at. I can't, I don't remember how many churches were there, let's just say 10, there were 10 churches. Um, and each church gets assigned a job for the week. And we don't know what that is, so you sign up, willing to do it before you even know what you're going to do. And you find out later on that night what it's, what it's going to be. And so Pastor Mandy and I, we, we go to a meeting and we hear about this, this, this farmer and, and that we could be on a ranch. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool, like being with animals. That's going to be fun. I hope we get that. And I think she instinctively like, no, nah, I don't think we should get that. You know, I'm like, no, it'll be fun. We're like, there'll be goats and cows, right? There were no goats. So we get that, luck of the draw, we get that experience where we get assigned that, and um, it's way out in the country of San Diego, and we, eventually we have to get, we, it's about a mile on a dirt road that we then have to take um, up, to the, up to this place, and I'm just thinking like, oh, this farm is going to be awesome. I'm driving up to tell the kids there's going to be, again, animals, there's probably cows, there's goats, there's... And I think one kid's like, oh, I'm excited. I love goats. I'm like, yeah, who doesn't love goats? It's going to be a good time. You know, it's probably just cool. And we pull up. And immediately, like, in the parking lot, there's all these disgusting, dirty pigs. We get out. And we get welcomed by the, the family. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're a pig farm. And no goats. There's some cows. There's a dog. But the place... The place didn't look like a farm. There was trash. 
there was junk everywhere. Like, like I'm thinking like, oh, this is like a hoarder's type situation. Like, well, this is, what, what is this about? Like, I'm wondering like, okay, do we pull the plug on this? Do we like do something else? And like, I don't know what to do. We are all, but especially the kids, immediately out of our comfort zone. Just, just done, just out of our comfort zone. So, um, so with that, I want to look at our first point with Jesus on how he served. Is that Jesus chose to do this service. He chose to serve with a willing heart. This isn't, Jesus didn't need or have to do the feet washing. He chose. Jesus chose to go to the cross. Let us always remember all the crazy stuff that happens in the Old Testament that God did. At any point, Jesus could have done that as well. He could have called any of that power and said, nah, Romans, you're done. But he chose to go to the cross for the Romans and us. Again, I want to go back to John... uh, just John 3, 5. We want to read this one more time. That Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Again, he had the power to not do this. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped the towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began washing his disciples' feet. 100% a choice. And this week, I saw that. Or in that week, I saw that in one of our students. And with that, I would like for her to come up and kind of share her story. So, Eden, you good to come up? All right. This is a nice shirt, by the way. Thank you. Um, Okay, so let me ask you a question. What were your first impressions of the ranch. Well, um, yeah. So the first thing I see when we pull up to this ranch is like this big pig pen, and then uh, like three. How how much do you remember the pig weighing? Like oh, three hundred. Th- no, it was like over a thousand. Eleven hundred. No, 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 no. The the female. No, that big female. It wasn't a thousand, but. Oh, the males were. <laughs> The males were. Yeah, you're right. The okay, other yeah, ones were. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was, it was like kind of dirty. It was, so the house was like up on the hill and then there was like a little area down there. So I didn't get to see like a lot of the place, mm-hmm. but I could see that <coughs> they could have like, they had a lot of junk and like dirt, dirty <laughs> stuff everywhere. And um, everything was just kind of, how should I say it, not clean. Not clean. That's a so, very, um, very well put, not clean. So, yeah, those were pretty much my first impressions of the ranch. All right. Uh, do we have the video ready? Okay, yeah, we're going to let them watch a video. Good job, Ian. So, Ian, what were you doing 
What were you doing? <laughs> so, um, the pig pen was like kind of on the downhill area, uh -huh. and they wanted to transport the baby pigs onto the hill, like up farther more up on the ranch, and <laughs> um, we had to pick them up by their hind legs, um, just like run around, and it was. Yeah, the pigs were just all really dirty and slippery and heavy, and so it was like hard to hoist them up. And it was, it was, a, no, it was a good experience. I liked it. It was. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah. let me let me ask you, Eden. Did you have any like proper training? Did you go to school for like the pig work? Yeah. Um, there was this girl, she was like about 16 years old. She was like, okay, so we're gonna get into this pen and then we're just gonna pick pigs up from their hind legs. Okay, so and there was no like classroom work that prepared nope. you and then maybe this was like your opportunity to go in. No, yeah. you just get in there and do it. <laughs> so all she said is just go in and pick them up. And I just. You just did it. Yeah. You just <laughs> did it. I loved mm. it. All right. Okay, so what was the hardest part? What was the hardest work you did on the trip? The hardest work? This doesn't sound too hard, but there was like a kind of ravine area, mm -hmm. and it was really, really far, like far out. Um, and there was a bunch of leaves, mm -hmm. too many leaves. Mm -hmm. um, and we had to rake all of them within um, a week that we were there. Mm -hmm. And it was, I didn't mind like the kind of first half of it, but like it was getting to the point where I was doing this too much and <laughs> it was kind of no, yeah. annoying me. Right. You are, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> when we say we rake leaves, like, oh, that, like, come on, that's not hard. But they, but, but that's when there's only like a little bit, like a front yard's worth maybe. Not like there's one giant ravine, and when you think you're done, you're high-fiving each other, we did it. They said, well, now you got this section to do. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let me ask you one last question. Why do you think God called you to this trip? Well, um, it was a really, really fun experience. Um, being at the ranch kind of improved my work ethic in mm -hmm. a way. Because I don't have the best work ethic, uh, but it kind of improved how I see it because, like, doing everyday things mm -hmm. is much easier now mm -hmm. because I did all that hard work for, I don't know, like, four to five hours each day? How many? I think more than that. <laughs> That's but just before lunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so probably my work ethic and just having the joy of helping these people. Mm -hmm. The joy, really that's great. Eden, I would never have guessed that you had, didn't have a good work, work ethic. Would never have guessed that. You were amazing, you're a rock star. Thank you for going on this trip. Thank you for coming up. She chose her summer break to do this, her choice. She chose to go 
do this. Galatians 5.13 says that you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus chose to do that. We, we have this freedom. We have this, we can't forget that Jesus chose to, to do the cross. He chose to serve us in this way. It wasn't a command by the Father. It was a choice to do that. He, we have freedom. And when we serve people, we have that freedom too, to serve them well, and we have the, serve, and we have the freedom to complain about it. We technically do, but we have that freedom. And Eden, along with the rest of them, chose to do this. They chose to do that, and again, just super proud. Um, all right, so again, Jesus got up. Eden was not a professional pig wrangler. <laughs> she saw what needed to be done, and she did it. Jesus, as far as I know, was not a professional foot washer. He got up, chose to do it, and he did it. So when you serve people, don't ever let like, oh, I don't think I can do that, or I've never done that before, or whatever. Don't let that hold you back. If you have a heart to serve that person or to serve this thing or whatever, go for it. God's going to give you everything you need to do that if he's called you to serve there. So don't be afraid or be insecure whether or not you can or you can't. You have the freedom God tells you right now, use your freedom to serve. There's a lot you can do with your freedom, but that's very important. All right, so the second thing. Um, yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm telling you, like, there were many times as they were, you know, telling us what to do, uh, none of our kids said no, not one. They got them and said, okay, let's do it, okay, okay. Never said no. So do you think, oh yeah. All right, so the next thing is, Jesus did this out of love, not because he liked it. I don't think Jesus liked washing the feet, but he loved his disciples. Right? Again, I want to go back to what that verse was. Having loved his own who were, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And so he did something that no one wanted to do, including himself. Even while he was doing it, he probably wasn't excited doing it. But he loved his disciples. He loved who he was serving. Jesus humbled himself to do this. So with that, I would like to call Sophia to come on up and to share a little bit about her experience. Can you stand right here? It kind of throws me off. There we go. Let's balance that one. Okay, Sophia, honestly, what was going through your head when you saw all those leaves? Um, so when they brought us over, well, first they told us, hey, you're going to be raking leaves. And we were all like, oh, all right. <laughs> Guess it's done in 10 good. minutes. Yeah. Um, but they brought us over to the ravine, and I was like, wow, that's a lot of leaves. Um, but I, 
I didn't think it was that much. And we started doing it, and I was like, okay, hey, guys, we're almost done, like, over here. And Michael's like, no, you got to go all the way down to that fence right there. And I was like, wait, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah, and then it goes all the way from there all the way to that fence over there. And I was like, wait, seriously? Um, I thought it was just, like, right there, but it was all the way down to that fence. And I was like, huh, that's fun. So it was... Yeah. It was very overwhelming once I figured that out, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's, um, man, kind of feel sick looking at it. Um, <clears throat> but you did it, yeah. right? Yeah. And I like how you said, like, oh, that's fun, because initially, I mean, let's be real, you didn't want to do it. <laughs> None of us wanted to do this. None of us liked this. And uh, what we thought was going to take 10 minutes uh, took a while. And again, there were more, more, more days and more things that they added. But I can remember one day uh, during lunch, and uh, you said something that just kind of stuck with me because we were kind of talking about like, hey, guys, are you okay? Because <laughs> it's hot, it smells, we're all in this, we're checking in with you guys. And, you know, here's another thing. Uh, she ran our lunchtime devotionals every day and 100% rocked that, which it was so cool to see you do that. And the amount of conversation that you drew out of us um, was really cool to see. So, but you said something on the first day and that really stuck with me. Do you remember? Um, well, it was about the family being, having to hum humble themselves. You want to? Yeah, um, I just thought it was really amazing that they, they, they had a lot to be done. And the fact that, I mean, these people that they just met, they were so open with us. And it was like, yeah, we, we've been going through a lot. And, you know, this is, yeah, this is all our junk. <laughs> and we need your guys' help. I mean, the fact that they, they were that open with us and told us we really mm -hmm. need you to do all this stuff, even though it's way out of our comfort zone. We, um, yeah, they just, they welcomed us into their home, and they might have been embarrassed about it, but mm -hmm. they, I mean, they, they did it, and I just thought that was really cool, and I was like, I'm not here to judge, I'm here to do work for you guys, and I'm happy to, so, yeah. Yeah, wow. which that, that, like, set the tone. I know for me, like, that set the tone for the rest of the week, um, because they were kids your age that were in this house, and... You know, I know if, you know, if someone comes knocking to my door when I'm not prepared, I'm like, pick this stuff up quickly, you know, like, you know, there was no picking stuff up. It was just like, this is us. We're the pig farmers. So, um, but yeah, but we got that. We, we, you know, and I don't think I would have had that real, uh, revelation unless she said it. So, but yeah, it really set the tone. It was really cool. All right. So last question. Why do you think God called you on this mission trip? Um... Well, I was thinking about it, and I realized when Mandy tells the youth group, like, oh, hey, guys, we have a beach trip coming up, or we're going to winter camp this year, there's nothing but joy and excitement. Um, but we had this parent meeting after church one day, and we all go upstairs, and we watch the, like, the mission trip video that they had for us, and I I was kind of scared. <laughs> I was like, wow, we're meeting a lot of new people. We don't know what we're doing. We, you know, we could be cleaning up trash on the beach. We could be at a ranch. Um, 
And I was, I mean, I was a little scared. Um, but I realized God was like, you're, you're never going to overcome this fear unless you do it. And, um, and you're never going to, like, I wanted to experience another form of worship, which was service. I was like, I've never done this before, and I'm never going to know if, you know, this is what I could be called to do. Um, even though we're all called to do it, but um, unless I try it. So, yeah, that's what Very good. Me. Awesome, Sophia. Thank you. Again, it wasn't, there wasn't one of us at that place in that moment that was like, oh, this is amazing. We love to do this. It was, oh. And so Ephesians 4, 2 says, be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love. There were times where I think all of us kind of hit our walls. Like we're like, you know, and that's expected. And that's okay. We can all experience in that. Even when we're serving people, we can have those moments. That is 100% okay. But it's how we control the attitude that comes out. And these kids did that amazingly. I mean, you could, see the, you could see it on their faces, but you never heard it from their mouths. I can remember the, after the first day going back to the church, and all the churches are coming back, and they're all kind of sharing uh, what they did and what, you know, what's going on. And, and uh, we're, we're, we go to this shower area, and again, I'm covered in filth. And I'm just, just wanting a shower, and these other pastors are there. And, you know, they say, hey, wow, what did you guys do today? And I said, well, we, you know, we did this, and we did pig farm, and all this kind of stuff. They're like, wow. I'm like, well, what did you guys do today? He was like, well, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we uh, picked up trash at the beach. And he goes, and then, and then we, uh, we searched for trash in the ocean. <laughs> he starts elbowing me like, <laughs> and I'm like, so you mean you swam? <laughs> he goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't touch me. Get away from me. And the reason why I don't have my shirt is because in that moment, after the shower, I threw my shirt away because it was filthy, still reeling about what that guy said. I'm like, come on. So my shirt's somewhere out in San Diego in a landfill. I don't know where it's at. But it was to be, it was dirty. I was never going to wear that thing again. It's like, why give us white shirts? But Whatever. And that was a telling thing, is that when you see all the other churches that come back with their shirts just pristine, and everyone else is that is dirty, you can tell, like, ah. Uh. So, it's not easy, but staying humble, and they kept, the kids stayed humble, kept the complaints in, and pushed forward to whatever they needed to do. They kept that going. So, the point number three is this, is that remember, when you're serving, the purpose belongs to God. Yes. You don't need to know why. You just need to know God wants you to do that. And his purpose is his own. Really, washing another push person's feet today means something different. Anything we do for each other, anything, is washing another person's foot. It's getting away the grime of the world and the dust of defeat away from them and discouraging and discouragement. 
That's what you're wiping away when you serve somebody, when you help them. So let me tell you why we were there. Like I said, this was a family that got a farm. There's this amazing story and on how they got, this couple got this land. And they always knew from the beginning that God was going to use this land for his purposes. They were pretty much given the land. It wasn't for free, but they had no money and they were able to, to get it. It was a miracle how they got it. And they decided, well, what do we do? How do we make this land for God? He knew pigs because that's, I think, how he grew up. So he just said, that's how we're going to make money is with the pigs. But what else are we going to do with this land? And what they started was they had a, a working farm for at-risk boys. And they did that for many, many years, having boys stay on the farm, learning. And then he says he got all these success stories that eventually they all, when they graduate, they come back with their families. And they just, it, it helped them. Of course, he started having kids of his own, and it just became, you never want to lose your family to the ministry. That's a rule. So he just said, we, we're going to have to stop that for now. But what he did was, then he transformed the farm into a place for, for churches to come and to experience, and, and then having day trips for, for, for the boys, for the um, at-risk boys, not necessarily staying there, but, um, but that was his vision. He kept using his land, using his land for God. He then, um, uh, yeah, but still doing the, the pig stuff. He, he had, the one thing I didn't tell you, they had how many kids? I, I honestly can't remember or have six, eight kids. There was eight kids, right? They have eight kids. Um, and so they keep using this land. Uh, they... COVID hit, and he gets contacted by, uh, by a food bank. said, hey, what would you think about using your, your, your farm as a distribution site? He said, sure, uh, why not? He says, great. That following week, like eight big rigs came with food, and he was like, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. Who's here to help me? They really didn't have anybody. He goes, well, I have all these kids. But they started doing that, and they started serving their community through this food bank. They had to move things around in their farm to, to fit more food and more food. Where are we going to store it? What are we going to do? Um, they had to move pigs, sell pigs. So now it's starting to eat into, their, into, into their, like their livelihood. But they all dedicated themselves to feeding this area. And he said, you would get, again, it was like a mile-long um, cars just waiting to come up. And he goes, and see, and this is why there's trash everywhere. Because all these people would come, get their food, look at the snack, and then just toss it. So as they're serving people, the people that are serving them are kind of destroying the very land that God gave them. But he says, but we're going to keep pushing through. We're going to keep pushing through. Why we saw all that junk there, random things, there's train cars there. There's just random things, right? It's because another way how they make money is they do estate sales. But all that had to get pushed to the side and create piles, and some of the stuff was starting to get damaged because of the food. They said, we're dedicating ourselves to this. 
And as time went on and on, that farm got more destroyed, got more destroyed, and more destroyed. I don't know if you get more destroyed, but you get what I'm saying. He could not keep up with everything. He could not keep, his whole farming took a back seat. His kids were getting burned out. His wife was getting burned out. Everyone was getting burnt out serving the people. They just did not have the resources. And on July 17th, he met with his pastor, and he says, I cannot keep this up. We might have to sell the farm. I don't know if I can keep doing this food bank stuff. Like it's, I think it's over. I need help. There's no more volunteers. A few hours later, we were there. We were a blessing to be given that assignment, to be honest with you. Would it have been nice to be on the beach? Yeah, it would have. There was another group that went to a park and rode on boats to look for trash. We got to see that in the final day pictures, which there were no pictures of our group serving, which kind of made me upset, but whatever. Um, but we, we were blessed to do that. Why? It's because we saw the purpose. We weren't deserved the purpose, but we saw the purpose. Not only that, but the, the look on their faces when things were getting better. They were saying things like, I didn't think I'd ever see like, our ground tile again. It was covered in so much like, like trash, dirt, and one of the girls, the younger girls, they, they had, she had a garden. And because of all the stuff, the garden got destroyed and got neglected. One of the things our group did was they brought that back, brought back her area. So you got to see the why. You got to see the purpose on what we were doing. We got to see what the impact was that we did there. The family that gave up so much to serve others, we had this very small moment to serve them. It's a very small moment, and it wasn't easy. They all know that, but they did it, and they did it without complaining, and they kept going because they knew, they knew what they were doing for them. God's purpose is exactly that. It's his purpose. We never know what the acts of service, big or small, public or private, can do and what the impact it's going to have on somebody. It's about serving. It's about what we can do for others. It's having that constant heart for somebody. We can anticipate it. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you want to look for areas to serve. Maybe you don't know what to do or where to go, um, but you can ask God, God, show me. And maybe it's not like I can tell you like a certain thing, like maybe you should do this, but maybe look within what you know. How can I serve my family? How can I serve my home better? How can I serve my neighbors and my neighborhood better? What needs to be done there? How can I serve my school or my work? What needs to be done there? Instead of looking for a specific thing, just look at the areas of your life. Here at church, what can be done here? Look for those things. Ask God, what can you do? 
because this is what he's told us to do. It's the art of serving others. I love that first week, we, long, long ago, when we talked about the art of faith, and, and Pastor Josh talked about how an art, how the artist doesn't go into it to make money. He doesn't go into creating a masterpiece so that he can get rich off of. He just does it. And I also like how there are some art that people can look at and like, well, that's trash. But other people are like, well, no, that meant a lot to me. The art of service is the same way. You go into serving with a humble heart. You're not looking for that return. You're not looking for that glory. You're not looking for that. And, and other than a thank you and, and, and like, you know, like a real thank you, that's it. Because there are people that are going to go to this farm and see the work that they did and not even know that we did it. And that is okay because the family knows what we did and God knows what we did, right? It, means, it meant something to them. So if I can have the band come on up. Jesus was the ultimate, ultimate service to us by dying on the cross. And when he washed his disciples' feet, it was showing that very thing. Think about it. John describes him getting up, taking off his outer robe. He's removing his glory for our sake, becoming man, becoming one of us, taking on the towel, becoming the servant, showing us what he's going to do. And he goes down and starts washing his disciples' feet. And every time a disciple's foot gets cleaner, Jesus gets dirtier. He is taking that dirt, that sin upon himself. That's what he did. That was his sacrifice. He bore our sins on him just so that we could be cleaner. And when he was done, he put his robe back on. And he put his glory back on because we know that on this side, we know that Jesus was victorious. How do we pay that back? How do we say, Lord, what can I do for you? You have given me so much just in the mere fact for dying for me so that I may spend eternity with you. How do I pay that back? Now, let me preface this right now by saying you don't have to. It's not like it's a law that you have to. That gift was free and, and free, free of charge. But how do we show appreciation? How can we show God that love back? It's simple. It's serving others. Putting others first. That's how we show gratitude for that sacrifice. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Just serve one another. Just do that. I saw that uh, our students get dirtier as the place got cleaner. I saw the students get tired as the excitement of the family's faces came back. I saw the students get sore as the fences got mended. And I saw, <laughs> I saw our, literally saw our students throw up because the smell was so bad but then continued to finish the job for this family. Church, 
I'm going to choose my words very carefully here and say that they served perfectly. Perfectly. Those students, can you have that picture back up? I want to encourage you to something. I see those guys differently now, and you should too, because of what they did in that week. Amen? Amen. All right, if you have your communion elements, go ahead and get them out. Again, I am always excited to do this, to get to do this, to have the opportunity to share into what God did with his disciples. And when he said, again, just to have that relationship with him, to have that what God wants us to have, he gave up his body freely to do so. He knew the cost. He knew that it, what, was going, what was going to be. And he knew the hurt that it was going to happen, but he still freely gave it. And let us not forget that fact, that he chose the cross for us. So take this now in remembrance of him. And then to have the ultimate, the ultimate foot washing, his own blood, the thing that is very precious to all of us, he gave again willingly so that blood can cover our sins and wash us clean. So again, let us never forget that, that he chose to freely 
do that so that we can share in this. Do this now in remembrance of him. Thank you, Heavenly Father. So, Father, <laughs> thank you for this life that is not boring, that you have called us to serve. And that service can be an adventure, big or small, public or hidden. God, you have called us to serve. So I pray this week, Lord, that you put it on all of our hearts to look for those areas, be it at home, school, uh, in your neighborhood, church, work. You find ways where we can put others before ourselves. Father, because there's a blessing that comes with it. So, Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you ask all of us to partner with you to help others. Thank you for that gift. And help us to all remember that we can freely help others. So thank you. In your name, amen. All right, church, have a great week. And see you next week. <laughs>